Hey everyone, welcome to this week's podcast. I'm Dorinda Wilson, wife to one, mom to eight, and nana to six. I'm also a 25-year veteran homeschooling mom. Today, I have a topic that I'm really excited about sharing with you. With all that's gone on in 2020, many believers have been questioning what their role is when it comes to politics, specifically the rights and duties of citizenship as it aligns with scripture. The one passage that has been front and center in this discussion is Romans 13. I wasn't even remotely confident that I could make a solid biblical argument using Romans 13, so I decided to invite someone that I trust implicitly to faithfully handle this text and deliver it to you with clarity and precision. Didn't even say the word right. (laughs) Today, I have my pastor, Wes Johnson, here to do just that. Wes is the pastor of Rebo North Church in Rural Hall, North Carolina. He's married to Heather, and they have three girls, ages 10, 4, and 2, and one little one on the way. It seems actually a little formal to call you pastor because our family considers you a friend, but also more of a shepherd that oversees our community of believers. And I realize that pastor and shepherd are usually considered the same thing, but there just seems to be something more fitting in calling you a shepherd because of the care that you exercise over our body of believers. I want to welcome you to the podcast. Thank you so much, Wes, for being here. I am going to pretty much hand over the rest of the time to you so that you have plenty of margin to be able to really dive into this. So thank you again for coming and doing this. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Seriously. It's an honor to be on the podcast. Heather has listened to your podcast for a while, <laughs> has read your book, and I still remember the first time that you guys showed up at the church. She ran to me and she had this panicked look, <laughs> frantic, in an excited way. She said, Dorinda Wilson is at our church. Don't mess up this morning. We want them to come back. <laughs> well, clearly you did not because I literally um, schedule any trips out of town around Sundays wow. so that I can be there on Sundays because, man, you just are so faithful in delivering the word and the truth. And um, it's just been an honor to be there and just be sitting there and soaking this in. So thank you. Well, no, thank you. Thank you. So, uh, yes, Romans 13, uh, given the political landscape as it is uh, in America, given the interface with government and churches and shutdowns and mandates, obviously it has made uh, the Romans 13 passage, as well as 1 Peter chapter 2, but primarily Romans 13, a a hot topic uh, in the Christian world. Uh, So maybe to start out, I'll read... Uh, the section of Romans 13 that is most in question. That way it's fresh uh, on everyone's mind. So here's Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, 
not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this you also pay taxes, for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. So that's the section of Romans 13 that is generally quoted to say things like, you know, you should just, whatever the government says, you should just do it, unless it is obviously, overtly, and explicitly against something in in God's law. So uh, it's led to, as you are aware, no small amount of division and Mm -hmm. argumentation Mm -hmm. within the church Mm -hmm. uh, as we try to figure out, can the government tell us this? Can the government tell us that? Should we listen when they say this? Should we listen when they say that? All those sorts of things. So uh, the first thing that comes to my mind when I hear the way that most Christians process, appeal to, or employ Romans chapter 13, uh, I start to think about history both canonical history, like within scripture itself, and then history of the early church, and then history of the Protestant Reformation. And it just makes it really difficult for me to handle Romans 13 the way that modern Christians seem to want to handle it, Mm -hmm. Um, basically with a very uh, face value read. And so you get to verse one, let every person be subject to the governing authorities, period. Right? There it is. There it is. No nuance, uh, no technicality. That's what it says. So let's just do that. And I just think you've got to think about it a little bit more deeply than that. Because if you're even just looking through the pages of Scripture and then into the early church, the guys who were under the immediate instruction of the apostles, and then the Protestant Reformation, you're going to find a whole lot that doesn't seem to jive with a non-nuanced reading of that verse. So um, maybe it'll be helpful to just sort of start with uh, some overview of canonical history and then looking into the early church and and see at least that we have to contend with this passage with a little bit more care than just reading it and saying, so do what the government says. Right. So uh, in the Old Testament, you know, one of the one of the key features of the people of God is the Exodus. Right. So you've got Israel turned into a people and then almost immediately after they become a people, they become enslaved. By another people, a tyrannical people group. Uh, And we know of the Exodus. So one of the first hallmarks of the Israelite people, of God's people, is them being rescued from tyranny, which is to tell us tyranny is bad. And in fact, it's not God's desire for his people. Uh, and, And so you're already by literally the second book of the Bible, you're seeing this narrative of tyranny bad. God wants to take his people out of it. Uh, You can also see that Israel's prophets were always resisting and rebuking even Israel's government. So when kings weren't doing what they were supposed to do, they didn't say, well, they're the ones in the authority, so we should just do what they say. No, they rebuked and and they resisted. And they didn't even only just rebuke their own leaders. Uh, You can read the book of Amos, and they also, God sends prophets to reject and rebuke and repudiate the actions of foreign governments. Uh, So even they are beholden to God, who is the maker of heaven and earth. Right, right. That actually reminds me of what you were talking about on Sunday, that his lordship is comprehensive. Mm -hmm. And that was just so, I've just been chewing on that all week. In fact, the podcast that I did yesterday, um, which is just previous to when this one will be published, um, it 
I, I went over quite a few things that you mentioned because they just stuck, you know, just that whole idea. I think we've just been, we've been told or trained that, you know, it's limited. We don't, we don't, we don't cross over into politics. We don't cross over into, you know, or very far into it. We might, we might vote. Right. We're going to do our part in voting, but you know, other than that, we're just going to pray for our leaders and go on our merry way. And, and, and so yes, or Sunday, when you, when you mentioned that, I, I just, I started to just see this much bigger picture and, and this, I realized that I am going to have to become bolder in making those kinds of statements in the general public, yeah. you know, that no, it's not just Lord. He's not just Lord over, you know, my private life. He is Lord over everything, every yeah. kingdom, every dominion, every government. And that mm-hmm. was, uh, that was just a real shift in thinking. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And so you've got Israel's prophets, uh, bringing God's law to bear on even foreign governments, uh, in the book of Amos. Uh, and then you can also see this kind of tyranny motif and the escape from tyranny by virtue of the way that God punishes his people. When they get caught in idolatry, what's the penalty? Well, you're going to be tyrannized. So again, what is all of this right. saying? It's the very whole negative connotation. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And, and what's the refrain of the prophets? Get out from under this tyranny by obeying God. And then God's going to raise up a leader who's going to take you out of it. And so there's nothing that you could read from the Old Testament that would ever suggest to anyone that bowing to, submitting to, and being content with tyranny, uh, that doesn't emerge from the Old Testament at all. Uh, And then when you get to the New Testament, uh, you break onto the scene with John the Baptist and Jesus, who are resisting and rebuking the religious authority. And that's a legitimate authority, right? And Romans 13 is talking about governing authorities of every kind. Right now, it certainly is going to narrow in on civil authorities, but the religious authorities of Israel had civil offices that they fulfilled. And so they were mediating cases that were of a civil nature. And uh, it was hard in Israelite law to make really sharp distinctions between moral and civil law because they crossed categories of fair right. Uh And so it breaks onto the scene with John the Baptist. And Jesus bucking the system, as it were, and rejecting and disobeying what was an authority of their of their day. That's how the New Testament opens. Mm. Um, and then, of course, we know that uh, the Lord Jesus was crucified as an enemy of the state. Like that was the official charge. And then after that, you got the early church. And why were they persecuted? They were persecuted as enemies of the state because they were supposed to be saying Caesar is Lord and they would not. They would not make that proclamation. And so uh, it's really hard to get anything in Scripture that fits with this neat and tidy, well, let everybody per- be subject to the governing authorities. Well, nobody told Peter that when by the close of the book of Acts, he was a fugitive on the run from Roman authorities. Or when the Apostle Paul was being lowered out of windows in a basket to evade arrest. Uh, and so... It can't be as simple, as flat, and as reduced down to just obey them. Right. It it, it almost uh, becomes uh, some form of legalism. Like, mm. just, this is just a law. You obey it no matter what. You don't think. Yep. You don't use any kind of critical thinking. You don't use any kind of, you know, like, really dig in and find out what this is really all about. How does this, does this actually line up with, with God's heart for his people? Yep. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, and so hopefully that at least sets the stage for, oh, maybe this is a conversation worth having, you know, uh, because you may well have said that Paul was disobeying his own orders right. when he's evading arrest. Exactly. And you had mentioned, I don't know if it was this last Sunday, maybe it was the one before where you were talking about how um, Christians in uh, in the New Testament church were living in this culture, this is the Roman culture, and, and the Roman culture was fine with you having a private rela- relationship with God, your religion, whatever makes you feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, just don't pull it out into the public, yep. into the public square. And I, it just, when you said it that way, I realized, oh my goodness, we were like in a very, pretty much the same scenario. So yep. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Rome was incredibly pluralistic, polytheistic. They didn't care what you worshiped who you worship, how you worshiped, uh, they didn't regulate or restrict that as at all, so long as the state received your primary allegiance and in public, you conducted yourself as they Accordingly. said. Mm-hmm. Mm. And uh, it seems to me that the analogy is very clear in terms of where we are in our own time. Um, in fact, on, on that note, uh, it's been well said that the primary achievement of secularism is not to have made people in America less religious. It has just made us more private about our religions. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can see this in every sociological poll that's ever been, that's mm-hmm. ever been conducted. Um, it's not that people are not religious. It's not that people don't believe in a higher power. It's not that they don't have something, something or someone that they pray to. We're as religious as, as we've ever been. We just don't talk about it. Right. I, I heard a statistics the other day, uh, Rick Green, who does, he does talks on the Constitution and biblical citizenship. And he said, I think it was about 77% of uh, just people in America in general, but I think he may have, he may have said just Christians. I'm not sure, but they self-censor mm-hmm. because they're worried about attack. Yep. And so. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so one thing, and you tell me, maybe this needs to be at, at some semblance of an application point, but, but before moving on to look at the text more specifically in more detail, um, one thing that I thought about in terms of applying this to our current situation with whether it's, uh, mandates or closing things or gathering limits, you know, those sorts of things, um, Another text that I think is really applicable to the question of things like mandates or closing businesses or gathering limits, uh, and that is actually Acts chapter 22, um, particularly verses 23 to 25. Um, And what's happening there is the Apostle Paul has begun preaching open air and a group of people come around him and it turns into sort of this mob because they didn't like the message that they were hearing. So Roman centurions who are supposed to keep the peace, they go ahead and seize Paul, they grab him, and they're getting ready to flog him. And he just asks them a simple question. He says, is it lawful for you to flog a Roman citizen without a trial? Knowing, of course, that Roman law says you you can't do that. And so they release him. What the Apostle Paul didn't do was say, well, these centurions are in authority over me. So I have to submit to what they're doing. Uh, What he did is he's simply making sure that the law is rightly followed. And 
the Christians who are thinking about this and thinking it through, not only theologically, but civically, uh, constitutionally, are asking the same question that the Apostle Paul was asking. We're just saying, are you sure this is lawful? Like, I'm not at a point where I'm saying to rebel against the government. I'm asking if the government's following its own laws, mm-hmm. right? And, and so there's so much biblical precedent for simply asking the question, when people grab you or seize you or say to do this or force you to do that, you've got to ask the question, uh, hold on, does the law actually give you the authority to do the thing that you're purporting to do? And so there's nothing that's unsubmissive about that. That's, in fact, being a responsible citizen, unless we want to indict the Apostle Paul and say that he should not have invoked a right understanding of Roman law and then called for the right application of that law. And it seems to me that that's primarily the conversation that we need Christians to start engaging in, because that's the real question. Uh, I'm not necessarily saying, uh, let's start a revolution. I'm saying, let's ask the question. Let's know God's law well. Let's know man's law well. Because we're probably going to see that there's a misapplication even of our, the laws of our land. Mm-hmm. And let's be ready to, uh, to call those things out and ask the question the, the Apostle Paul himself asks. So that's uh, rebellion to the side, um, submission to authority uh, to the side, because it's not rebelling against governing authorities to ask the question, right. are you actually following your own well, laws no, you here? You can't even ask the question. Remember, this is how this works right now. <laughs> that's it. That's it. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. That's true. You know that uh, you know that tyranny is encroaching when you can no longer have free discourse without, right. you know, the consequence. But you're right. It needs to happen. And, and where it should be happening is within the body of Christ mm-hmm. and with yep. leadership that says, Yes, this is a good question to ask, and biblically, you are, you are in the right by asking. And so, let's dive in and let's figure this out together. Yep, yep, so. I think that's right. I think that's right. Uh, so, to to the text, um, we've read it, uh, and the the thrust of it, the main pronouncement being that all authority, all governing authority, all civil authority, ultimately comes from God. So you should submit to it because a failure to do so would be to fail to submit to God. So that's the basic argument of the text. Um, But this is assuming a lot of other doctrine, a lot of other theology that the Apostle Paul has already established. Uh, And so one thing that's already in the atmosphere, just if you've read the book of Romans, is the absolute sovereignty of God. So if God is absolutely sovereign, that means that no human government is. So no human government is absolute. Um, That doesn't mean that they don't have real authority. Right. It just means that they don't have absolute authority. Uh, In the same way, like we we understand this in every other realm, right? Parents have real authority over their children, but they don't have absolute authority over their children. And everybody knows this. Um, And I don't think that anybody would apply. uh, Let's let's do this one, too. Husbands, authority over their wives. Scripture is pretty clear about this. But no pastor would handle Ephesians chapter five verse twenty-two. Husbands submit to your, uh, or excuse me, wives submit to your husbands. Uh, nobody would apply that the way that they apply Romans thirteen. Mm-hmm. But it's the, it's like the same text, just right. with different authority structures right, in play. Right. Right. Everybody. I mean, evangelical pastors who are preaching Ephesians five twenty-two fall over themselves, racing to qualify it. To make sure that wives know your husband does not have an absolute authority. 
there are things that he may say, suggest, want, demand, and you should not follow it. We race to get to those qualifications. Right. But then when it comes to Romans chapter 13, which is the same admonition, just with a different authority structure in view, we don't want to make any of those qualifications. Uh, we don't ever want to trace out the particulars of at what point you should not follow it. Uh, and so it's been it's been a little bit of a head scratcher for me. It's like, hold on, why are we treating these texts so differently? <laughs> because the culture has influenced the church more <laughs> than the church has influenced the culture. Yep. I keep that keeps coming to my mind over and over and over again because you, you you just can, you can see it. I'm just seeing it over and over and over again. And my prayer and hope and I and I know this is going to happen that it'll it'll go the other direction that the church should be have more of an influence on the culture. That's my prayer through diving into things like this and really um, getting to know what God's word has to say about everything that's going on around us and walking faithfully in it and courageously in it. That is my, my prayer. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Absolutely. And that's effectively uh, what I see the apostle Paul doing. In fact, in Romans 13, Um, it's, it's a Christian, it's an apostle of the Lord Jesus who is beginning to shape things Mm -hmm. in the civil realm to bring them into the into alignment with God's law. Uh, the uh, It's in verses 4 and 6. Two times in verse 4, one time in verse 6, uh, the Apostle Paul refers to the governing authorities as God's servant or God's deacon. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's like, that would have been a very provocative pronouncement to have made. Because at this point, everybody thought that Rome was an absolute authority, and the Apostle Paul is shattering that idea, and he's saying, no, there is one absolute authority, that's God, and even the state, even the governing authorities, even Caesar, even Rome, is underneath God's authority. They're actually God's servant. Uh, And so what he's doing is he's bringing the Christian worldview to bear on all of life, including the civil structure, the governmental structure of his time. So that's that comprehensive lordship that we were talking. You were talking yep. about Sunday. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, and so he's saying you're under God's authority, and God has some instructions for you. And this is one of the places where I think that a lot of Christians, uh, and I did it for myself for a lot of years, just read this uh, maybe just a little bit thoughtlessly because we aren't bringing the rest of the Bible and the rest of history with us to right. the text. Right. We read it in isolation. And if you read any text of scripture in isolation, then you can obviously end up in some wild places, right? right? Major Uh, misinterpretations. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And so when we read this, we immediately see the way that it's prescriptive to us. Mm -hmm. We see that for the citizen, this gives a clear instruction. What we often miss is that it is as prescriptive for the governing authority as it is for the citizen who is under that Mm -hmm, authority, mm -hmm. because Paul is telling that authority what it is supposed to do in order to be in alignment with God's purpose for it. You're God's servant, so here are your marching orders. That's what gets him in trouble. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) It absolutely is what gets him in trouble. I think we all kind of know that, and and that's a little bit, we're just not used to, we're not used to having to face that, but it's, it's, you know. It's time. It's yep. time to gird up. <laughs> That's it. You're right. Because we have. We've had a beautiful God-given reprieve mm-hmm. from what has been the norm 
for a lot of Christian history, right, you know, right. uh, where the church gets marginalized and persecuted mm-hmm. because it existed in areas more like Rome in the first century. Right, right. Um, and so it is time to reclaim sort of this prophetic voice that says, mm-hmm. uh, look, here's what God says your job is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some people have to remind you of that, apparently, right, right. because you've forgotten. And, and typically it's probably not going to be received well. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, the words being spoken, the seeds being planted, it's one of those things that God can begin to shape and form and, and cause change to happen. But it's, it's at a grassroots level, yep. and that is never quick, mm-hmm. and we're used to instant gratification, and we like bristle when it comes to having to wait for anything. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a long-term investment, yep. and um, just like when we raise our kids, that's a long-term investment. We invest for years um, knowing that uh, it's it's worth it. It's what God has us to do. And even when it's hard, we keep doing it. I tell, I, I tell a lot of times, I say to homeschooling moms, you know, when parenting gets hard, you don't quit being a parent. Like you just <laughs> yeah. you can't. That's not an option. You don't think of it as an option. You know, you might take a little break, but you go back to it and try to just do the right thing and, and get things, you know, lined out with your kids and do whatever discipline you need to do. But um, and then when it comes to homeschooling, I just say, just have that same attitude. And so, you know, it's the same thing with this. Just have that attitude. Like, yep. yeah, we're going to run into obstacles. We're going to run into resistance. But that can't let that deter us from doing what God is calling us to do. Yep. No, that's good. That's good. Absolutely. Because uh, it, it will be. It will be an absolute uh, process. Even the process of having conversations like these mm-hmm. to get a group of Christians uh, biblically literate enough that they'll begin to think about these things in maybe ways that they haven't thought about right. them before. Right. And so all that's an investment of time and love and discipleship. And it starts there mm-hmm. and then grows. Right. You know? Right. Which is the same thing that was happening in the first century. Right. You know? Right. Um, so... I think it's interesting too because just with the whole COVID thing, it's 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 ended up that I know for us we've we've gotten to know more people in our community, we've bonded with more people in our more believers in our community, people who are right there in real life rather than online. Yeah. Because um because we we are this is where we live together. And I think that's something that um moms who are listening just to be thinking that thinking about that that God's put you where you are intentionally we're talking about his sovereignty and how he places us exactly where he wants us and I mean I know people have moved I have a friend who moved from New York to here because they couldn't their family just couldn't keep functioning in under that oppression that was happening there and um but it's it's um just a it's a really kind of uh, i I refer to it as kind of organic type of thing where we're just really getting to know people. Like these are people that I'm going to call on if I'm in a bind, yep. like I'm not going to call on somebody online. I'm going to call on somebody who lives right here in this community mm-hmm. with me. And so uh, beginning to really invest in our communities. And um, the other thing is I know moms that are listening are homeschoolers and they're disappointed that there aren't more activities going on, things we're used mm-hmm. to doing. And yet maybe God is calling us to smaller groups smaller tribes, more, uh, again, organic type activities, being outdoors, building relationships, that kind of thing. So um, I see a lot of good that God is doing in all of this. And it just all seems to be this this call 
back to community and uh, relationships and making these investments that we're talking about. Yeah, absolutely. No, that's great. That's great. So Romans 13, as prescriptive for the governing authorities Mm -hmm. as it is for the citizens, it's it's scripting out for the government, here's what you're supposed to do. And, and notice that it's very limited. Uh, they wield the sword for the express purpose of punishing wrongdoers and never tyrannizing good citizens. Uh, and this is why historically, uh, you know, Bible-believing Christians are small government conservatives. Right. Because we're like, well, we're reading our Bible and God says you got one job. Right. Right. It's not endless bureaucracies. It's not more and more suits. It's not, you know, mm-hmm. uh, there's mm-hmm. this one job. So right. like police and military. Right. There's, so there it is, you know, uh, maybe regulate the currency, you know. Uh, but ultimately, that's it's going to be a very narrow assignment from mm-hmm. God to the civil mm-hmm. magistrate. Mm-hmm. And these other things fall into God's other spheres of government, which is right. the family that mm-hmm. orders itself. Mm-hmm. And then the church that orders itself. Right. I loved what you said uh, several weeks ago. And it's funny because you know this is true, but when the words are actually spoken, it really gives more power to them. And that is that, uh, you know, according to God's word, the state does not have authority over the church or the family. Mm -hmm. And, And that alone is just sort of a game changer when it comes to your perspective on some of these mandates and things that are coming Yep. down the pike. Yeah. No, it absolutely is. It absolutely is. And I think we you could probably get most Christians there pretty easily mm-hmm. because uh if you're going to read through the proverbs and let's just say we're looking for parenting advice, mm-hmm. you know, I know that we got homeschool moms listening. And so when proverbs says uh if you spare the rod you hate your son. But then you've got places in Europe where the government has said uh, if you don't spare the rod, we're going to put you in prison. It's like, oh, and so now you can see why God has these spheres of sovereignty, these right. different governmental spheres, because he didn't he didn't give parents their instructions through the medium of the state. Right. He gave it directly to them. Right. You have the authority. You have the responsibility. Here are your rules. This is your deal. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and then same with the church. Right. All right. Here's your responsibility. Here are your mm-hmm. leaders. Here's mm-hmm. I'm going to hold them accountable. Here are their rules. And then Romans 13 is the same thing for the civil magistrate. Right. All right. Here's your sphere. Here's your lane. Here are your rules. Right. And so that's the way that these texts uh, should be read, mm-hmm. uh, should be read and understood. So um, I think that... Uh, once you script some of those things out and, and look at Romans 13 more that way, realizing that more than anything, this is giving the government its role. Here's what the government is supposed to do. And of course, Christians were already being good citizens. Right. I mean, if you're following Jesus' instructions, if you're following uh, the calls to peaceable living, that in fact, that's in Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Right before he goes into this whole thing about what the government's supposed to do, he's just charged Christians to live peaceably so far as it depends on them. And so Christians were already being lawful citizens who were doing good, who were caring for one another, who we see in the book of Acts were making sure that nobody even had any needs because they're making sure that they're cared for. Those are the kinds of citizens that the gospel makes, right? Right. Right. Uh, And so this is clearly a call to the Roman government, because as we know, this was written during the time of Nero, who was headed towards an insane kind of despotism. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, now, he did, most historians will tell you, that the first four years of Nero's reign weren't that bad. Um, he had, his mom was still alive and she was tempering him. Moms are good for that, right? So homeschool moms, thank you for tempering your children particularly. And, and just a side note, Wes and Heather do homeschool their kids. I yes. didn't even mention that, but yes, they're homeschoolers as well. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so those first few years, first four years roughly, uh, weren't that weren't that bad. Mm-hmm. But everybody could see the signposts that were pointing toward, this is going to go dark. Mm-hmm. Because you had the cult of emperor worship right. that had already been established before Nero was in power. And so he was already starting to press that button. You should venerate me and revere me as a god. And the Christians are already, no, we're we're not going to do that. You were put here by God. And based on what the apostle Paul said, you're actually put here to serve our needs and work for our good. <laughs> right. So I'm trying to figure out how you try to flip the script on right, us there. Right. Uh, and so once you kind of get that, uh, the thrust of Romans 13, which hopefully has been well articulated, mm-hmm. uh, I think you, you move into some, some practical questions right. of, okay, so we find ourselves in the situation that we're in. What do we do? Mm-hmm. So, That's the burning question. I, I can yeah. almost feel it through, you know, through the microphone, through the computer. Yeah, yeah that is the burning question. Yeah. So, uh, in fact, Heather was was asking me that when we were on the road mm-hmm. on the way here. Mm-hmm. She was like, so I I get it. I understand what Romans 13 means. But what does that look like when you have a magistrate or a civil mm-hmm. authority or a mayor or right. a governor mm-hmm. who is in fact obviously out of alignment with what God has said they're supposed to be doing. And truthfully, I think you do go back to Romans chapter 12, verse 18. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. And so I think that's the first stake to put down in the ground is uh, we want to remain peaceable. Mm-hmm. We want to be a people who are respectable. We want right. to be a people who are well regarded. We want to be a people who are in good standing. Mm-hmm. We want to be a people who aren't behind on our taxes. Right. Like we want to be ideal citizens because what that does is it then gives you a credibility when you are the one who's reminding the magistrate that they're in fact not doing that which they are called to do. And I think you do that in two ways. I think one is you look at the Acts chapter 22 example where Mm -hmm. the Apostle Paul uh, just reminds the centurions of their own law. Right. And I think that's the biggest thing for us right now is to say, hey, there's this old document I found called the Constitution. Right. I was reading back through that. (laughs) It's actually still relevant. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) Even our state one. Read the state constitution and then read Governor Cooper's most recent uh, executive Mm -hmm. order amendments. Mm -hmm. It's like one of these things doesn't fit with the other, Mm -hmm. you know. And so Christians need to come to a place where we are uh, very familiar with the laws of our own land so that we can be like the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 22 and know when those who are our governing authorities are in fact disaligned with the laws of our own land. Mm -hmm. And then ask that question. Mm-hmm. Are you are you sure this is lawful? Because here's the article that I'm thinking of, right. and you're not doing that. Uh, but that's peaceable. That's respectful. Uh, you can do that winsomely. Uh, I've left conversations with people at stores, and uh, 
have, like we're smiling as right. we leave, right. you know? And so it's a, it's a joyful, peaceful, uh, it's still a confrontation, right? but it's done respectfully. Which most of us really don't like. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. That's it. It's, yep. it's, and it's, it's challenging when you have kids with you yeah. and you're trying to walk this out and you're not sure where it's going to land mm-hmm. and you're worried about, you know, what are the kids going to witness and see and how yep. are they going to interpret this? And yep. I, I think it just, that part, I think is, is one of the most burdensome parts for moms. But at the same time, you know, I always believe that when God calls us something to something, he equips us for it. And so if he's calling us to this, then he's going to equip us. And he's also going to use it to teach our kids. You know, you, you know, you might be in a situation, maybe you don't feel like you handled it exactly the way you should have. You can have that conversation with your kids, sure. especially, you know, if they're even just a little bit older. Um, you're not going to be hurting them. You're going to be um, just teaching them. You know, mm-hmm. these are things that we don't know what the, what God's purposes and plans are for them and what kind of world they're going to be living in. And we want them to be equipped. And this may be part of that. Yep. You know, in fact, I'm, I'm sure it is. You know, it'll be, if it's not equipping them for a, this type of situation, it'll be for something else. Mm-hmm. Um, either way, it's, it's about, you know, just walking mm-hmm. in obedience to the Lord. And I think that's the most important thing they should know. Yep. You know, we're, we're, we're trying to live the way that God tells us to live in, in the scriptures and, and this is what we think this looks like, and you know, so. And that's yeah. a and that's a great point. I think our kids should see us mm-hmm. in those engagements. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would think the only thing to have to follow up on if there was a misstep in the conversation is if there's a point at which mom or dad wasn't peaceable, right. uh, or weren't respectful. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but what a good example we're setting when we peaceably and respectfully don't let. People right. get walked on, right? right. <laughs> you know, exactly. Uh, and yeah, so know the law. Be willing to articulate that. Uh, be familiar with that. Again, you're just following the example of the Apostle Paul, right? If he was a head in the sand kind of Christian who was unfamiliar with the civil uh, institutions around him mm-hmm. and unfamiliar with the law, he would not have been able to handle himself the way that he handled himself right, in Acts right. chapter twenty-two. So read through like your state constitution, yep. and then read through the. Um, the, the the constitution of Absolutely. the United States. Yep. And I, I think, and I'll try to include this link in there. I had run across um, a link that where this gal just took uh, the constitution and cause it can be a little difficult to interpret. Sure. And she um, lined it out in one column in its original. And then in the other column, she did explanations of what each that's thing. Excellent. So I'll include that link in, in the podcast notes. Yep. That's perfect. Yeah. That's perfect. That's yeah. Yep. So that's, Great. Yeah, so, so that's the that's the the biggest practical I think mm-hmm. uh, is to take that out of Paul's playbook, and then the second is to take his Romans thirteen playbook, which is apply the law of God. Right. Apply the law of God. So know your law, God's or no man's law rather, mm-hmm. the United States law, right. and know God's law, right? Because they're supposed to be following it, right? So that means, would that be like a study of, you know, any place in scripture that gives examples of the, uh, the sphere of authority that each. Oh, sure. So this, uh, and who knows, maybe we'll get to do another one of these Mm because this could open a can of worms. It could. Uh, So feel free to send me questions if you have questions after this. (laughs) We may do another one of these. Yeah. Um, so 
when I say God's law, I am talking about the Old Testament, but not in the sense that we are beholden to all of the right. laws in the Old Testament right. the way that they were given. Right. Uh, what I mean when I say it, uh, there's a there's a term. This will sound like fifty cent, you know, theological terms, but it's called general equity theonomy. Theonomy is a fancy word. Mm-hmm. Theos, God, mm-hmm. uh, which comes from namos, which is the Greek word for law. So it's God's law. Okay. Theonomy just means God's law. And the general equity of God's law, uh, you'll find this in the Westminster Confession of Faith, very popular Presbyterian confession, as well as the London Baptist Confession of Faith, which is the most popular for Baptists. Right. Um, and they both talk about this general equity theonomy. And all it is is looking at uh, the Old Testament Mosaic law and extracting the principles mm, that are mm-hmm, operating mm-hmm. underneath them. Mm-hmm. So it's not uh, just one-to-one copy and paste, right. but it's to think long and hard about why did God say what he said? What's the principle underneath that? Right. And let's make sure that if God wrote a law for a group of people to operate, it's perfect. Right. So if we're thinking about what we should, how we should be governed, it should be based on the principles right. of the law that God wrote. Exactly. And I think that's where that whole, that immediately what came to mind was that God quarantined the sick. He had his people quarantine the sick, but the healthy went about their business. And that just, I keep going back to that over and over and over again. And that, that is something we have done Mm -hmm. for hundreds, thousands of years. And it's, it's worked well. It sure does. Um, And all of a sudden it, it doesn't mean anything. And that's where I think we've really, uh, there's been a lot of crossover into areas that we have accepted as, they were actually biblical principles yep. that we were walking out even as a country and as a nation. And and now all of a sudden they're moot. And, and so that has you all kinds of suspicious, but we won't go there. We won't go down that road because <laughs> <laughs> this podcast yep. would never end. Yes, you're right. This <laughs> would <laughs> be the eternal podcast. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's great. Well, that really gives us some things to to go back and study. And I feel like this is something we can do with our kids as well. You know, um, if they're, you can do a little simple version with the younger ones, but really with the older ones, you can really dive into this. And mm-hmm. I'm really feeling that need. I mean, we have just one 16 year old at home, but I'm, I, I just feel like God's saying, okay, um, the tide is turning. And so preparing him for life, it might look just a little different than it did for yep. the other kids that you've already graduated. And I, and I have to be willing to say, okay, let's do that, you know, because, um, you know, God is, he is good and he's really good at um, leading us um, and preparing us and helping us prepare our kids for life. And, um, but thank you so much for Absolutely. bringing some clarity to that. Is that yeah, got, yeah. Got, got through Absolutely, it. Okay, yeah. I just want to make sure we didn't miss anything. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> Unless people have questions. We yeah, moms, if you have questions and you would like, I mean, we can even do like a whole take your questions and he can just answer them in a podcast one at a time and we can have that discussion. So feel free because we really, maybe you don't have a place that you can have this discussion. You don't know anybody that you trust that you can talk these things through with. Um, we know a lot of church doors are pretty much shut yeah. right now and um, sad to say, but, um, but anyway, we want to give that, that, um, opportunity to you. So, um, again, thank you for being here. And I think we'll just close in a word of prayer. Do you want to close? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Father God, thank you for your word. Um, how lost we would be without it. Um, as we think about, uh, the state of our nation, as we think about, uh, the way that things have come to the point that they have, uh, We know that it's because our relationship with your word has, in fact, become more distant and grown a bit cold. 
Uh, and so we're asking that uh, for Christians listening, for moms who are shaping hearts and minds who are listening, uh, that our homes would be places that are just saturated with your word. Um, it is light. It is life. It is peace. It is wholeness. It gives us the government of Christ, and we know that he is the prince of peace. Uh, so to be under his rule and applying his word to all of life uh, is to find wholeness and rest and peace. And how much we need that in a season like the one that we're in. And so, God, uh, irrespective of where things head nationally, uh, we want to be uh, those who are faithful to you, faithful to your word, faithful to our families. Uh, and so, God, would you equip, uh, empower us uh, to be just that, and we know that you will. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen.